Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to CBS News Roundup ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This is the CBS News Weekend Roundup. Coming up. I won't die at my school. Students walk out over gun violence. Plus, former President Trump is officially charged. There is no case. There's no case. And Finland joins NATO. I would like to welcome uh, Finland as a new ally. Hello, I'm Linda Kenyon in Washington. Allison Keyes is off. Tennessee is feeling the repercussions from Nashville school shooting that left six people dead. Two Democratic lawmakers have been expelled from the Tennessee's legislature by Republicans. A third was saved by just one vote. CBS's Jared Hill has more on the showdown, sparked by a demonstration over gun reform. It was an unprecedented day in Tennessee politics. Representative Justin Jones of the 57th Representative District expelled. As the Republican supermajority in the statehouse voted Thursday to expel Democratic representatives Justin Jones and Justin Pearson. It wasn't about us individually. That's right. It was an attempt to ex- expel and silence a movement. Yeah. But they've done the opposite. No! It's a reaction to Jones, Pearson, and Democratic Representative Gloria Johnson leading a gun reform protest on the House floor just days after the deadly Nashville school shooting. Our schools need to be safer. Our communities need to be safer. Republicans insist the three brought, quote, disorder and dishonor. Mutiny on the House floor. A mutiny which to this, this body and to this state has been unknown in its 227-year history. Supporters inside the chamber cheered as Johnson survived a vote to expel her. All three of the Democrats insist the final outcome was racially motivated. We are marching into fascism with a supermajority that has proven that absolute power corrupts absolutely. The lawmakers, known as the Tennessee Three, are vowing to continue to fight for gun control. Every week until this session adjourns, we will return, whether we're inside the chamber or outside the chamber. The ousted representatives will still be able to run for their seats when a special election is held. That was CBS correspondent Jarrett Hill. A new 455-page report released by the Maryland Attorney General's Office details clergy abuse spanning 80 years involving the Catholic Archdiocese of Baltimore. WJZ reporter Denise Koch has the story. Investigators say over 600 children are known to be victims by the 156 people named in the report, mostly clergy and church staff. But the number of victims is likely much higher. It lists 146 abusers by name, many already publicly accused. 
but there are several new names and 10 of whom are redacted. Per a judge's order, investigators redacted some names of those living, accused of abuse, enabling it, or covering it up. It details actions and histories of each of the abused and lays out several instances of the church covering up abuse. Citing church documents, quote, the archdiocese was more concerned with avoiding scandal and negative publicity than it was with protecting children. Many parishes had multiple abusers. The report singles out St. Mark Parish in Catonsville, which had 11 child abusers living and working there between 1964 and 2004. It does not, however, place all the blame on the church, saying the judicial system and the press helped the church avoid accountability. A judge ruled for its release now, citing the state's legislative session, where lawmakers just passed a bill to make it easier for adult survivors to sue the church by eliminating the statute of limitations, which is one of the report's main recommendations. Punishing weather this week as tornadoes touched down in several states, including Kentucky and Missouri. CBS's Adriana Diaz has the story. I heard the roar coming through. Around 3.30 Wednesday morning, a massive tornado packing winds as high as 130 miles per hour carved straight through Glen Allen in rural southeastern Missouri. It was breathtaking. It was I don't even know. It's just the mess that there is, the trees that are down. At least five people were killed. You hear a bunch of wind, just like a train coming. Keith and Shannon Lincoln were home when the twister hit. I had a carport back it's, up in It's here. gone, and then our detached garage, which it took, I think it took the most damage. They rode out the storm in their bathroom, where they prayed they'd be spared. I can say we're well blessed. We got very lucky. Lucky they survived when others didn't. We lost some good neighbors down the road and the whole family. This deadly storm came just a few days after dozens of twisters upended communities from Iowa to Delaware, killing at least 33 people. Louisville, Kentucky is the latest scene of devastation. An EF1 tornado tore through, ripping the roof off this apartment complex. Look at that roll. It's just one of dozens of twisters that have struck the South and Midwest over the last two weeks, leaving debris and devastation in their wake. There she is. Over the past two weeks, more than 60 people have died in tornadoes in the U.S., nearly three times as many as all of last year. I've seen some pretty bad storms, but no, nothing like this. Residents here tell us they're used to tornado warnings in this part of the country, but this town usually gets spared. Not this time. The governor said it's going to take months to clean up. He also spoke with the president, who offered support and aid. Adriana Diaz, CBS News, Glen Allen, Missouri. Lawmakers are calling for tighter ethics rules after the ProPublica report about Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas going on several luxury trips paid for by GOP megadonor Harlan Crow. Here's CBS's Jan Crawford. Legal experts say those rules did not clearly require Thomas to disclose his travel, including on Crow's luxury jet, because the hospitality was paid for by a friend who had no cases before the court. Crow said in a statement he's been friends with the Thomases nearly 30 years, and his hospitality was no different from the hospitality we have extended to our many other dear friends. But going forward, the rules are different. Just last month, under pressure from Senate Democrats, the rules were changed to make clear this kind of personal travel should be disclosed. 
In a statement, Justice Clarence Thomas says he was advised by colleagues and others in the judiciary that the trips and vacations he took with the Republican megadonor who paid the way were not reportable and that he has, in his words, always sought to comply with the disclosure guidelines. Going forward, he says he will follow the newer rules. The city of Chicago now has a new mayor. He's Brandon Johnson, who beat Chicago School CEO Paul Vallis. The 57th mayor of Chicago will succeed Lori Lightfoot, who lost February's election. The runoff was triggered when Johnson and Vallis didn't get 50 percent of the vote. Brandon Johnson says he wants the Chicagoans who did not vote for him to know. I want to work with you. Jennifer Kuyper, CBS News, Chicago. Coming up, the former president of the United States is officially charged with crimes. The only crime that I have committed is to fearlessly defend our nation from those who seek to destroy it. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. I'm Linda Kenyon. This week, the nation saw a former president face criminal charges. CBS's Scott McFarlane has the story. A defiant stance from former President Trump as he left Trump Tower, but after waving to supporters as he entered Manhattan criminal court, surrendered to authorities, and briefly appeared before cameras, Trump looked noticeably somber. He had been arrested, the first formal criminal charges for any former president. There was no mugshot taken, but he was fingerprinted and given a case number, like any other defendant. Flanked by his lawyers inside the courtroom, Trump listened as the judge's clerk read off the charges against him. Asked for a plea, the former president remained seated and said not guilty. He said nothing as he left the courtroom. Trump is charged with 34 felony counts of falsifying business records to conceal hush money payments to three individuals who were threatening to reveal negative information about him during the 2016 election. One involved former adult film star Stormy Daniels and $130,000 in payments to her, orchestrated by former Trump fixer Michael Cohen. Another payment, $150,000, to former Playboy playmate Karen McDougal, who alleged she had a sexual relationship with Trump while he was married and was prepared to make the story public. An allegation Trump denies. And another payment, $30,000, to a Trump Tower doorman who was trying to sell information about a child he claimed Trump had fathered out of wedlock. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg spoke after the arraignment. Under New York state law, it is a felony to falsify business records with intent to defraud and an intent to conceal another crime. That is exactly what this case is about. 34 false statements made to cover up other crimes. These are felony crimes in New York state, no matter who you are. We cannot and will not 
normalize serious criminal conduct. Trump's lawyer said they plan to file a motion to dismiss this case within the next several months. Today's unsealing of this indictment shows that the rule of law died in this country because while everyone is not above the law, no one's below it either. And if this man's name was not Donald J. Trump, there is no scenario we'd all be here today. Sources close to the former president tell CBS he is gaming at how the arrest can help him politically. Sending out this fundraising email, selling a T-shirt with a fake mugshot on it. On sale for $47. He's running to be the 47th president. Trump also continued to attack Bragg and the judge in the case, Juan Mershon, who oversaw a previous trial where Trump's real estate company was convicted of tax fraud. Only a few Republicans were in New York to support the former president, including Georgia Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene and New York's George Santos. But several top members of the GOP called the arrest shameful and a travesty. Shortly after the former president's arraignment, he flew back to his Mar-a-Lago estate. CBS's Christian Benavides reports. A defiant former President Trump returned to Florida to address supporters following his arrest and arraignment in New York. This fake case was brought only to interfere with the upcoming 2024 election, and it should be dropped immediately. Inside a Manhattan courtroom Tuesday, Trump pleaded not guilty to 34 felony counts of falsifying business records, a case brought on by Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg. The criminal is the district attorney. He should be prosecuted, or at a minimum, he should resign. Bragg's 16-page indictment alleges Trump concealed hush money payments to three individuals, threatening to reveal negative information about him during the 2016 election. They include adult film star Stormy Daniels, former Playboy playmate Karen McDougal, and a Trump Tower doorman. These are felony crimes in New York State. No matter who you are, we cannot and will not normalize serious criminal conduct. So far, former President Trump has not been barred from publicly discussing the case, but was warned by the judge not to make statements that could incite violence. Late last night, the 45th president went after that judge and his family. I have a Trump-hating judge with a Trump-hating wife and family. Trump has denied any wrongdoing in the case. He's frustrated, he's upset, but I'll tell you what, he's motivated. His lawyers say they'll file a motion to dismiss the charges. The former president faces possible charges in other cases as well. And now, former Vice President Mike Pence says he will testify in the case involving the January 6th riot. An advisor to former Vice President Mike Pence says he could testify before the grand jury within weeks. And prosecutors could get a vivid first-hand account of what Donald Trump did and said as he relentlessly pressured Pence to overturn the 2020 election. This is an earthquake and not a small earthquake. Former federal prosecutor Scott Fredrickson said Pence holds the key to several avenues being explored by special counsel Jack Smith's investigation into the January 6th riot. When the mobs were attacking the Capitol trying to stop the election, what did the president tell Vice President Pence? The former president spent the last 24 hours assailing all four ongoing investigations of him. And I never thought anything like this could happen in America. Calling on congressional Republicans to defund the DOJ and FBI. A move dismissed even by his staunch ally, South Carolina Republican Senator Lindsey Graham. I think it's a bad idea. 
At Tuesday's New York arraignment, Judge Juan Mershon warned against rhetoric that could inflame or cause civil unrest. Thank you but much, Trump everybody. later took the gloves off during a rally at Mar-a-Lago. The criminal is the district attorney. Tearing into Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg and Judge Mershon personally. I have a Trump-hating judge with a Trump-hating wife and family. One day after, Bragg detailed a 34-count criminal indictment of Trump accusing him of falsifying business records as part of a years-long alleged hush money scheme. Trump's lawyers say they will mount an aggressive effort to have the charges dismissed. You're charging the president of the United States with crimes, crimes that will never be sustained in a court of law because they don't exist. Sources say the Manhattan DA and his prosecutors are aiming for a trial next January. And if that were to happen, that means Trump could be spending time in New York facing trial all while campaigning in Iowa and New Hampshire ahead of those early nominating contests. Robert Costa, CBS News, Washington. Let's turn to Newark, New Jersey, which piloted a massive project to replace lead pipes throughout the city. I spoke with Kareem Adim, the director of Newark's Department of Water and Sewer Utilities. Tell us what you did. We, we challenged the status quo. Government has a history of, you know, dragging things out. So Newark, we, we kind of accelerated our uh, lead service line removal project um, between 24 and 30 months. We were able to remove you know, almost 23,000 lead service lines. And, you know, using a variety of uh, our county lent us an additional $120 billion. They bonded out $120 million for us um, that helped us accelerate a 15-year program into a 30-month program. Collaboration and communication can have another accelerated lead service line replacement program throughout the country and potentially reduce the exposure to lead leaching in drinking water that affects so many kids. Up next, saying goodbye to a member of the CBS family. Good morning, Bill Lynch with the CBS World News Roundup. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. Welcome back to the CBS News Weekend Roundup. I'm Linda Kenyon. Finland has joined NATO. CBS's Holly Williams has the story. NATO's a defensive alliance that protects the US, Canada and most of Europe. An attack on one country is considered an attack on all. Its newest member is Finland. This is maybe the one thing uh, we can thank Mr. Putin for. Uh, because he, uh, once again here, has precipitated something he claims to want to uh, prevent by Russia's aggression. In the lead-up to Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine, he complained about NATO's expansion in Europe. But ironically, Putin's achieved the exact opposite of what he wanted. Before Russia's invasion, about a quarter of Finns supported joining NATO. After Moscow attacked its neighbour, that surged to around 80%. Since Finland's frontier with Russia is over 800 miles long, its membership has more than doubled Russia's border with NATO states. And right next door, Sweden's also seeking to join the alliance. Finland's military is considered one of the most capable and modern in Europe. Moscow says that if forces from other NATO countries are now deployed to Finland, it will respond by bolstering its own military in that region. The president of Taiwan visited with U.S. lawmakers this week. Here's CBS's Elizabeth Palmer. President Tsai Ing-wen arrived at the Reagan Library to a warm welcome from House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and lawmakers from both parties in a show of democratic solidarity. 
Taiwan is grateful to have the United States of America by our side. Taiwan is counting on the U.S. to protect it from China, and Speaker McCarthy served up strong encouragement. We must continue the arms sales to Taiwan and make sure such sales reach Taiwan. China had warned against the meeting, which the foreign ministry spokeswoman said gravely undermines its sovereignty. Last time Taiwan's president met with a senior American politician, it was Nancy Pelosi in Taipei. And China was furious. It responded by sending warships, planes, and even missiles around and over Taiwan. An intimidating reminder that China has the muscle to try to seize the island by force. Taiwan's military can fight back with modern weapons supplied by the U.S., but many analysts think it would be overwhelmed by the most likely scenario, that is a Chinese naval blockade to cut the island off. Retired U.S. Air Force officer Germantes Leilari teaches at Taiwan's National Defense University. Well, they could break it for a certain period of time. They could sink some ships, they could shoot down some airplanes. But then they'd need the U.S. They need somebody to come in and help them. Now, there's no direct military confrontation, at least yet, but this meeting between President Tsai, who openly calls for Taiwanese independence, and Speaker McCarthy will have angered and provoked China, and now Taiwan is braced for some kind of reprisal. Elizabeth Palmer, CBS News, Taipei. France's president has reached out to China to help on Ukraine. On a state visit to China, President Emmanuel Macron appealed to his counterpart to help move towards peace in Ukraine. I know I can count on you to bring Russia back to its senses, he told Xi Jinping. France and other Western nations hope Beijing can use its close ties to Russia to help facilitate peace talks. But the Kremlin rejected any idea of Chinese mediation, saying it's not the time for a political solution in Ukraine. Elaine Cobb, CBS News, Paris. Violence in Israel as the world observes Holy Week. CBS's Ian Lee fills us in. Israeli warplanes hit Gaza and Lebanon. Israel says the strikes were in retaliation for dozens of rockets fired by Hamas. This marks the biggest barrage by militants from Israel's northern neighbor in 17 years. To the south, in Gaza, loud explosions rock the strip as Israel says it targeted tunnels and weapons manufacturing sites. This Palestinian resident says, we heard a loud blast, then another that shook our house and shattered our windows. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu called for calm at a cabinet meeting Thursday night and added, we will strike our enemies and they will pay the price for any act of aggression. As dawn revealed deep craters and broken buildings, the cycle of violence continued. Gaza militants fired another volley of rockets. Israel says its Iron Dome missile defense system intercepted many of them. This volatile situation erupted earlier in the week after Israeli police raided Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem. Palestinians say they were praying peacefully. Israeli authorities say it was a response to rioting. The Israeli military responded to a car being shot at in the West Bank. Two Israelis were killed and another is in serious condition in what's being described as a terrorist attack. This sort of violence that we're seeing has a way of escalating into becoming a full-blown conflict. Ian Lee, CBS News, London. Now to four astronauts who NASA says have the right stuff. 
The space agency has named one woman and three men to the crew for the first mission to the moon in more than half a century. CBS's Mark Strassman reports. Ladies and gentlemen, your Artemis II crew. NASA's deep space hopes will rocket with this crew. To the moon, to Mars, and beyond. Moonbound astronauts, the first in more than a half century. We know how big this moment is, and I personally feel it's so much bigger than me and my name being attached to it. On this diverse Artemis II crew, three Americans, all space veterans, and a Canadian. Reed Weissman, a U.S. Navy captain and the mission commander. Victor Glover, the first black astronaut to make a long-duration spaceflight. Christina Cook, a member of the first three all-female spacewalks, and Canadian Jeremy Hansen, the only space rookie aboard. Our focus is 100% on being successful in this vehicle. After launch, the Orion capsule will reach the moon in four days for a lunar flyby. This crew could push deeper into space than any humans ever before finishing their 10-day mission. What's critical? This flight will be the first test of Orion's complete life support systems. NASA envisions the moon as a proving ground for eventual missions to Mars. Do you now look at the moon a little differently? Oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> We've spent our entire lives looking up at the moon. And now we're going to go out there and look back at Earth from that same distance. That is crazy. Some of their Artemis training will happen in NASA's mock-up Orion capsule. That training starts in June, goes on for 18 months, which means that the Artemis II launch could happen as soon as late next year. Mark Strassman, CBS News, in Houston. Coming up, the kaleidoscope. We are in a moment where the public understands that we can't incarcerate our way out of uh, you know, crime. We can't incarcerate our way out of poverty. Uh, that we need to build alternative systems uh, to help people heal. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. Welcome to Kaleidoscope with Allison Keyes. Allison is out this week. I'm Linda Kenyon. And this week we discuss second chances. Congress recognizes April as Second Chance Month. It's meant to raise awareness of the consequences that come with a criminal record, including barriers to employment and housing, which can combine to increase the chances of reoffending. I spoke with Robert Brooks, the CEO of the Reform Alliance, an organization working to end that cycle. We are working to replace America's justice system to make it more fair, accountable, and invested um, in rehabilitation. We do this state by state um, and at the federal level um, where we're uh, seeking to transform these laws to increase uh, proper reintegration. You talk about reintegration back into society because there are a lot of hurdles that have to be overcome. No, absolutely. When someone um, is exiting the system, they face a mounting of challenges, uh, whether it be having a felony on their record or having to pay excessive fines and fees or being able to, 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 to live at home but can't stay out after 6 p.m. because they're on supervision or can't go to a neighboring town or county because of stipulation on their, on, on their supervision makes it tremendously challenging for people. And those are just the structural barriers. I mean, people don't often see the mental challenges that people face as they exit the system as well. Uh, some of the biggest, biggest, biggest 
uh, hurdles is helping people to see that they're actually worthy of employment and worthy of support and worthy of love and worthy of coming home and contributing back to their community and their homes and with their loved ones. It's a hard, hard step to take for many people. So we at Reform Alliance, we're both working to eliminate the structural barriers as well as creating space for people to feel loved as they come home, feel supported, to get jobs and get reconnected to their communities. Let's talk about how hard it is to get a job after incarceration. More than 70 million Americans have a criminal record. Returning citizens face staggering barriers to employment. People under probation and parole, for example, are three times more likely to be unemployed than the general population. We're talking about folks that are 10 times more likely to experience homelessness and often face chronic health issues as well as mental illness. Are there any special incentives out there for potential employers to hire someone who has served time in prison? Yeah, there, there are. There, there, there definitely are incentives uh, that, that can be given, but we, we actually don't lead with the incentive conversation. It's important for employers to realize uh, especially the uh, employers that are currently facing labor shortages. There are tens and thousands and millions of people out there right now that can fill these jobs. You know, it is not unlikely uh, for us to sit in a restaurant and see, uh, sorry for the long service, uh, the long wait, we we are understaffed. Uh, there's no reason for that. What we've also learned through the years is that when you do give someone that's been impacted by the system, a job, um, that they become your most loyal employees because they're deeply appreciative of the opportunity you just gave them. And it's important for employees to know that as well. But it's not just about hiring uh, people coming out of the system. It's also about changing the policies and the practices that corporations currently are utilizing that creates uh, in- increased success for people as they come into these these jobs. Uh, people... Uh, that's been impacted system um, doesn't just deserve jobs. They also deserve opportunities for upward mobility, just like everybody else. I would like to backtrack on something you said, which I found to be rather startling uh, when you said there are more than 70 million people in the U.S. who have a prison record. Absolutely. That's astonishing. Right. It's, it, we've, we've reached a point. Um, where, you know, every one of us knows someone, I know of someone um, that's been impacted by this. Some of the causes, though, will have to be addressed, though, as to why people find themselves in these situations, why crimes are committed, and uh, what society is doing or not doing about it. We're calling for a system um, that addresses root causes, uh, not one that merely focuses on punishment. If you just focus on punishment, you don't uh, begin to solve uh, for uh, why the person is in the situation they're they're in in the first place. Uh, But if we begin looking at root causes and we bring stakeholders uh, to the table that 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 are there to help us address root causes, we're talking about social service providers, healthcare providers. Um, Now we're getting at uh, creating an environment that will keep what happened from happening again, because that's ultimately that's what we want. And let's talk of, about the uh, 
the fact that a majority of people who are incarcerated are not necessarily representative of the equality of uh, racial lines that make up America. Oh, my goodness. I mean, you're 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 100% correct. We're, we're talking about um, a system that's overrepresented of, of people of color. Um, we have a criminal justice system that lives and thrives off of poor people, um, black people and brown people. Um, that's exactly what it is. It's, it's not a criminal justice system that manages those that commit crimes. Uh, there are people that commit crimes that don't end up in the justice system. Uh, it's a system that 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 manages the lives and bodies of poor people, black people, and brown people. And, and the more we we understand that reality, um, then we 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 begin to see what the solutions are. Um, and we need to stop. We 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 need to stop. Uh, 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 focusing on um, the, the race and, and and social economics of the person, we need to uh, ensure that we are building safety solutions that address the root cause of crime, as I was saying earlier. Um, and we we need to ensure that everyone has a second chance. Seems like an insurmountable task, doesn't it? I don't think so. I've been doing this for twenty five years, and um, I am more hopeful uh, now than I've ever been. Um, in, 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 in that period of time, um, we are in a moment where the public understands that we can't incarcerate our way out of, uh, you know, crime. We can't incarcerate our way out of poverty, uh, that we need to build alternative systems uh, to help people heal. We need to build uh, support systems to help people address the root cause of what put them in, in the situation in the first place. And then we're seeing those systems being built all across the country in cities and towns, all across the country, new programs, leaders coming to the forefront, addressing these issues uh, uh, and, and and helping people uh, reintegrate society. We're seeing people that were incarcerated come out um, and tell their story and show others that there's a better way and there's a better path. Uh, so the community is stepping up. And as long as we continue to go down this path, uh, we'll get to where we need to be for sure. That's Robert Brooks with Reform Alliance. Coming up. This one will be with me for the rest of my life. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. Sound the gifting panic alarm. We've all been there. You need to find the perfect gift. You have absolutely zero ideas and you don't know where to start. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. Just answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Imagine pages of artisan espresso mugs for the coffee connoisseur in your life. Or for the pickleballer, customized paddle covers in every shade imaginable. Etsy's got you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. On the CBS News Weekend Roundup. I'm Linda Kenyon. The new NCAA men's basketball champion is a name we know, the University of Connecticut Huskies. UConn beat San Diego State 76-59 Monday night in Houston, ending a dominant run through March Madness. The Huskies won the men's title five times in the last 25 years, more than any other school. Jan Crawford covered the men's and women's tournaments for us. Find the opening. Scores again, take it over. It never seemed in doubt. 
Nice pass. Inside they go to Hawkins. Good call, too. The Yukon Huskies took the lead early and didn't look back, capping a magical March Madness with the championship. Hurley and the Huskies have their dreams come true. The Huskies had one of the most historic runs in tournament history, winning every game by double digits. Adama Sinogo was named the tournament's most outstanding player, his family watching all the way in Mali. They're seeing their son up here being celebrated. You want to pass along a message halfway around the world? Uh, I just want to say, like, anything is possible. Coach Dan Hurley's family, basketball royalty themselves, was in the stands watching him shine on the sport's biggest stage. After nearly leaving the game for good as a player 30 years ago due to mental health struggles, Hurley turned to coaching. Now he can call himself a champion. It means everything. And, and, you know, for me, obviously, I'm not here without that special group of coaches and players. But I'm probably also not here if, if I didn't have to deal with that adversity. Hello, friends. Jim Nance with Grant Hill, Bill Raftery, Tracy Wilson. And with March Madness coming to a close, its legendary voice will fade with it. We get one last night with the GOAT, <laughs> Final Four's best friend. Broadcaster Jim Nance, a Final Four staple since 1991, signing off for the last time. Not to try to play off Hello Friends, but to you, everybody in the college game, my CBS family, my family, all the viewers, thank you for being my friend. KHOU reporter Matt Musel caught up with Nance after the game. The game is over, the nets have been cut down, and the man, Jim Nance, is going to ride off in the basketball sunset. Is that correct? That's correct. It's the right place to do it, right here in the city that I love. And Houston, you did it again. You showed the nation how to host a great event, and with open arms, I might add. And it's just, uh, it's all perfect. The, the place, the location, the vibe, I'm happy. UConn head coach Dan Hurley said, Jim, you're not going to get me to cry. Yeah. Did you have a moment and reflect back? Oh, yeah. Did you have an emotional moment? I did. There was an opening that they had stitched together some comments of mine and turned it into a tease, which I didn't really know what they were up to, but that came from some <laughs> previous interviews. And then at the end, when we were signing off after the game had ended and the confetti had fallen, and I knew I needed to say something. I was kind of urged along by, by Raft and Grant. And, you know, I, I didn't have anything really locked in my head of what I was going to say. But I just said, I've learned the last 37 years that everybody has a dream. And that everybody has a story to tell. And it's, it's easy to go find out from other people what their story is. Just listen and be kind. And I want to say this to everybody I know, from the college community to my CBS teammates and everybody, thank you for being my friend. That's the last thing I said. This is a key to the city for you and the team, but we know that you already have the key to all of our hearts. We love you. We love this team. Go Tigers! And the NCAA Women's Champions, LSU, celebrated their victory over Iowa last weekend with a parade home in Baton Rouge and an announcement. The Tigers will accept an invitation to the White House. Star forward Angel Reese previously suggested her team shouldn't go after First Lady Jill Biden said runners-up Iowa should also be invited. Jim Nance may be done with the NCAA, but he will be the voice of the Masters. 
What won't be at the Augusta National? Cell phones. As you look around Augusta National, almost everyone has their hands full, whether it's food, drinks, merchandise, or a golf club. But what you won't find in anyone's hand? A cell phone. Now this guy right here, he's already having a fit with no phone. Which can take some getting used to. You can't bring your phone in. Hello? <laughs> Hello? I can't hear you. So we you sound only, like you're underwater. We've been here a half hour. He's, already been on, he's been on the phone over there already. I remember the phone number. It was good. <laughs> Even nine-year-old Ace Lowy, who doesn't yet have a phone himself, has seen the impact, at least for his mom. She left it in the car, and then she's like, where's my phone? While some may disagree about the phone ban. It's yeah. awesome. Oh. It's awesome. Oh, I mean... It's, it's, Parents of teens rejoice. Perfect. It's yeah, wonderful. Yeah. It is it's wonderful. Been liberating. They're talking to me today. <laughs> it's great. It seems without a phone to stare at, people are finding other, perhaps more important things to look at. It allows you to take in all the scenes. It takes in the, um, the experience a lot more. So without being tied to your cell phone, um, you know, so I think it makes you appreciate it a little bit more. Appreciating the masters, and those around you. So not having one I think is going to make for a very special day and talking and camaraderie ship and really just busting on each other's chops. Yeah, man. What's camaraderie ship? The ship of camaraderie. <laughs> right. He wants another black guy. <laughs> and maybe it's just one more reason to come back to Augusta. We'll have to try to come here every year so that one day I'll be able to talk to my kids. <laughs> Sam Bauman, CBS News, Augusta. What are singles looking for these days in a partner? You may be surprised. If you're broke but you're charming, you've got a better chance of finding a date. Let me guess, you have a great personality. A new study finds that for singles in the USA, France, and Canada, personality is more important than finances. However, in India, money is still more important than a person's character. Overall, women were more likely than men to look for a partner who is financially stable. Jen Clark, CBS News. And finally, CBS News Radio bids farewell to one of their own. Bill Lynch did it all. Good morning, Bill Lynch with the CBS World News Roundup. He anchored the historic World News Roundup from the mid-1980s through the 1990s. In Washington, he covered the Pentagon and the State Department and politics, campaigns, and conventions. I'm Bill Lynch at the Kennedy Space Center. His booming voice and punchy writing style set him apart. He read and knew so much about so many issues and so many places. Bill Lynch was an influence on me and so many others who aimed to do what he could do. Steve Kathan, CBS News. And that's going to do it for the Weekend Roundup. Thank you for listening. The show is always online on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. We want to get your feedback, so drop us a line at Weekend Roundup at cbsnews.com and let us know where and how you're listening. The Weekend Roundup is produced at the CBS News Washington Bureau. I'm Linda Kenyon, CBS News. If you like CBS News Roundup, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com slash survey. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. 
It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. Behind every successful business is a story, and some of them might surprise you. Like how Chobani's first yogurt factory was discovered on a piece of junk mail, or how the founder of the multi-million dollar cosmetics brand Drunk Elephant was told by everyone, including her own mother, that the name sounded like a dive bar. I'm Guy Raz, and on my show, How I Built This, I talk to founders behind the world's biggest companies to learn the real stories of how they built them. In each episode, you'll hear entrepreneurs share moments of doubt and failure and talk about how they were able to overcome them on their way to the top. How I Built This is like a masterclass in innovation and creativity from the people who've done it all. Follow How I Built This wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery+. Plus. For more deep dive and daily business content, listen to Wondery, the destination for business podcasts. With shows like How I Built This, Business Wars, and many more, Wondery means business.